Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and we are very excited to continue our special series celebrating Janet Jackson's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by speaking to award-winning choreographer Tina Landon. Tina knows Janet very well and was a huge part of her success in the 80s and 90s. We also speak with Mike Litherland, who manages the Induct Janet movement, which has been working very hard over the last several years to help bring awareness of Janet's legendary career and help to get her inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's kick things off with Tina, who has worked with A-list stars like Michael and Janet Jackson, Jennifer Lopez, Ricky Martin, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, and Rihanna. Tina, welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show. What? What? Here I am. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. You always answer uh, the call when I when I harass you to come back on the show. So thank you for doing this again. Absolutely. First of all, my first question, we're going to take you back in time a little bit, which I know you love because I know when you uh, I, you love when I harass your memory. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're better than Sudoku or um, crossword puzzles. Exactly. You make my brain work so hard. I'm, like, I'm going to be young forever. <laughs> That's awesome. So the first question, though, I did want to ask you, um, where were you when you got the news that your good friend Janet uh, was announced as one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's class of 2019? And what immediately sprang to mind when you when you got the news that she's going in? Where was I? I don't know. I think I was, yeah, I think I was just chilling on my couch. And it, you know, it was one of those things where half of your brain goes, well, it's about time. And then the other half goes, wait, why did it take so long? Like, what? Why is this just now happening? Or is this old news? Like, literally, I was a little confused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And so, um, so obviously very excited for her, I have no doubt. And then uh, I wanted to take you back a little bit just to, I guess, the first time you actually met Janet. Can you remind uh, the listeners when that was and what your first thoughts of her were? Ooh, you're asking me to go way back. Way back into the 80s. Uh, when was the first time I think, just because I knew people who knew her, but I don't think I met Janet until um, the What Have You Done For Me Lately video. Okay. I think that was the first time. And, yeah, I happened to be in town. I was supposed to be doing a Puma Industrial, and it got canceled. And, you know, especially at that time, that was, like, one of my first dance jobs, my big dance jobs, and I was mortified. And Paula called me, Paula Abdul, because I know you're supposed to be out of town for another gig, but this came up. And I'm like, what? Janet Jackson? Yeah, I'll do it. It was like one of the first things I never had to audition for. I got called to do it. And it was like, it, it, you know, as a dancer, you're like, wow, this is like, I'm making it now. Like, this is it. This is something's happening. And yeah. And then I got called in to do that video. And that was the first time I think I actually met her. Okay. So on the set of what have you done for me lately? It, well, yeah, in rehearsal. Okay, in rehearsal, right. And so talk to us about, I guess, um, your first impressions of her in rehearsal for that video, for that song. Uh, you know, she was so quiet, completely quiet and and reserved. Um, and as a dancer, you're always, you know, when somebody comes in, when the artist comes in, a star comes in, it always disrupts 
the flow of rehearsal, no matter what. So it's like you might be learning stuff and being cool, and then all of a sudden you're like over, you're you're over the top, and you're trying too hard, and everyone's giggly and, and acting stupid in the room. It happens every single time. So I kind of remember a little bit of that. Like everybody was a little giddy and giggly, and, you know, Janet wasn't, she didn't have the, the notoriety at that time. I mean, at that time, yes, she was a star. Yes, she was from the Jackson clan. Yes, she was Michael's sister and she was Penny and she was all that. So it was this, um, a new, it was like this new rising star feeling in the room, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's amazing. And now uh, you danced with her on that song and then you, you came back to for When I Think of You, right? I did. Yes. Okay. And Paula made me audition for that. Oh, did yes, she? I remember. Oh. <laughs> yes. She, yes. She made me audition for that. Whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. That's so that, And that was, and that was a huge video. I mean, there was tons of people in that. In fact, I remember, I think, I don't know where the interview or which interview it was that Janet did, but she talks about the first time she met me and she was scared of me. Cause if you look at me in the, what have you done for me lately video, I have this, this was my Prince and Wendy days. So I had, I was look, trying to look like Wendy from Prince. And I had one side of my hair shaved with blonde hair. And I was actually very lucky that Paula picked me for that. Cause you know, that was pretty crazy hairstyle even for that time. Oh um, my God. <laughs> but yeah, so sorry. So heading back to that, that was my first kind of um, introduction to Janet and Janet to me. And then when we did the, um, when I think of you video, that was, that was just like a whole new level of it was a bigger set. It was a bigger production. It was, I think we had 30 dancers or 20 dancers. So it felt kind of like a stage production. It was, it was, it was fun. It was, it was a very um, kind of when you think of old Hollywood, like that's what it felt like for in the video world. It felt like an old Hollywood stage performance. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was like a lot of one shot, right? Like following her sort of through the street and all that stuff. So it was epic. Yeah. we. I think we, I know the, the intention was to do it in one continuous shot. I think they may have had to do two um, because this thing that she jumped down from or did a bat flip from or something like that. I think that had to be edited. But, you know, back then that was like, what? Nobody did that. So it was choreographed from beginning to end. And, you know, everyone's scuffling around stage to get to the next section of the floor. Like, you know, normally you're just in one set and you're on and off, kind of on and off the stage when you're doing like a, a musical or a production. Yeah. But this was kind of in a round circle. So we would do one section and then run through the set and like peel off a jacket or have a different look and then end up on a different part of the set while Janet's still moving through, you know, doing the verse, doing the chorus. Yeah, it was a very uh, intric- intricate way to shoot, I think. For sure. And it's funny, as you were talking, I do remember the interview that Janet was talking about you. I almost want to th- say it was in the Runaway a documentary, but she said something like, yeah, like, Tina's so I tough. I think so. Yeah, she's like, Tina's so yeah. tough. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. That's great. You intimidated Janet right off the top. <laughs> That's the way to win an artist. Yeah. You scare the crap out of them. They'll hire you back every time. Oh my god! Now during those two, so those two, um, those two shoots or whatever, you didn't really become buddies with her then, though, right? It was really when Rhythm Nation came around, right? Because um, right, our, our circles kept intertwining because you know Renee and Terry Bixler, who were both in, oh, that was a nasty video, sorry, but Terry Bixler, Anthony Thomas, Renee, and another guy named Jazzy were all in. Um, LA City Rockers. So they were in their pop and walking group. And they 
had been to the house. They knew Michael. They met Janet. Uh, this was before Renee and Janet got together. They were just buddies. And Paula knew them also. It was all intertwined. So it was like I knew all these people that knew Janet, but we didn't really hang out at all. Um, I actually I remember giving Janet a ride home. Rehearsal. I have no idea why she didn't have a car or a ride that day, but I gave her a ride in my 76, I think, Camaro that looked like Starsky and Hutch. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> and it, yeah, because I had taken it to a friend to do body work. So not only was it red with white racing stripes, it had gray primer and red primer all over the car. And I'm pulling into the Jackson like mansion going, uh, you're, you're home. I'll just leave you right here if you can walk to the door. And I think she may have even been sitting on one of the dancers' laps. I don't know. It was crazy. But um, we were intertwined, but not really friends. And then I think when our friendship really took off was when uh, we did the Rhythm Nation project together. So I wanted to ask you about that. So, um, But you had to audition for that too, right? You didn't just get it. I did not just get it. I had to audition for that. Um, and at that time, uh, there was some behind-the-scenes turmoil, not with Janet and myself, but with some of the other players that I just mentioned earlier, an ex-boyfriend of mine, blah, 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 blah. I was not going to go to the audition because I thought that I wasn't going to get a fair shot because nobody liked my ex-boyfriend at the time. Right, okay. And I was connected to him, and I thought, they're not going to give me a free shot or a fair shot. I'm not even going to come. And it was actually Terry Bixler who said, no, you have to come. Are you crazy? And I said, no, I just don't think I should go. And he said, well, you're coming. You're ridiculous. You're coming. That's Terry Bixler. And he was my buddy. And he's actually the reason that I ended up where I did, because if it wasn't for him, I don't know that I would have gone to the audition in the first place. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, especially because of all the history now that you have with Janet. It's crazy that that could have almost not happened, you know? I know, right? Crazy. (laughs) Now, um... Let's talk a little bit about Rhythm Nation, the project. I wanted to ask you what it was like, because by then, you know, Janet um, had control under her belt, uh, and which obviously mm-hmm. was extremely successful. And then now that she was kind of in her sophomore effort, if you will, even though I know this was, you know, her fourth album. Um, but I wanted to know what it was like to kind of watch her create and grow with the juggernaut that was Rhythm Nation, because there were so many facets to it. There was, of course... Um, just the, the song in the album itself, or the songs, I should say, uh, they were socially conscious. They were things that people didn't really equate with uh, dance music or pop music where she's talking about you know homelessness and all this sort of stuff and, and, and racism, which you wouldn't sort of necessarily find in a pop song. Uh, on top of that, there right. was the long form videos. And then this was going to be her first world tour ever. So being in that, uh, what was it like to watch her kind of go through that, especially because she was only like 23, 24 at the time? Uh, you know, for me at that time, I was still so green about the industry, about Los Angeles. You know, I grew up an hour outside of Los Angeles where there's nothing but desert that separates you. So it is a different world. I mean, I may as well have been in New York. That's how small my town was. Um, so for me, it was everything literally was, it was like Dorothy stepping on the yellow brick road and the whole thing coming to life and glittering. Like that's what every day felt like for me because it was all new and I I had nothing to compare it against because I was already at such a high level without really understanding it completely. So I could understand that 
I could understand at that time that it was a high level, that it was class and that it was new and that it was different. And at the same time, you're kind of just in awe that you get to be a part of all of this. So it's really weird to have any kind of real understanding when you're kind of in the middle of it all. And I just felt, you know, it's like if you're in the eye of a hurricane, not and or uh, yeah, and and not. I mean, a hurricane's not a good thing, but I'm just saying the the velocity of everything that's surrounding you and happening around you, but you're you're in this calm center, right? And that you know, and Janet has always had it. She her persona and her personality is just always a constant no matter what's happening around her so it's like you're in this with her and it was really hard to get a full picture until you've either seen the video or seen the tour or been away from it all for a while and then you look, look back and go oh my god that just happened like but when you're in it you're just showing up for work every day going wow isn't this cool this right. is a fun project to be a part of and when you're a dancer who loves what you're doing there's just nothing better. There just really isn't. It's the icing on the cake. It's the cream on your pasta. It's like, yeah, this is this is my life. I love how this choreography sits in my body, even though it was very strange. I was used to Anthony because I was part of the LA City Rockers for a very small stint. Um, so I got the style, and and it was it was for me because I've always loved. Uh, classic dancing. I've always loved jazz and tap and ballet, but I've always had this, this love for anything that was street, anything that was different, anything that was raw, um, because I didn't come from that. So anytime I had a chance to blend the two or be of a part of, you know, a choreographer who blended the two and I got to be a part of that, that was just magic for me. So yeah, if I had to pick one word, I'd say magic. Okay. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show, award-winning choreographer Tina Landon. Make sure you follow her on Twitter and Instagram at I am Tina Landon. And Tina's going to post more Instagram pictures in 2019. <laughs> We're going to make sure she does that. Um, I have to bring up uh, Design of a Decade. This often doesn't get talked about Design of a Decade, but... That album came out in October of 95, and it was a compilation of her massive songs from that past decade, so 86 to 96. Uh, but it also contained two mm-hmm. songs, uh, two new songs at the time, Runaway and 24 Play. And Runaway became its own hit. Uh, you were obviously a huge part of that, uh, the choreography and the video. And we're going to talk about that in just a sec. But I did want to ask you, because I know, obviously, at that particular time, you and Janet, super tight. Um, what was Janet's mind frame, if you, if you know this, I'm not sure, but if, uh, her mind frame in releasing a best of? Because I can only imagine if I was sitting in Janet's shoes, you know, putting together this best of compilation and you're kind of now seeing your life in song from 10 years, uh, you know, Miss You Much and Rhythm Nation and like, uh, you know, That's the Way Love Goes, like all these songs that you've put out. Um, what what was she feeling or do you know what she was feeling when she was compiling that album and, and deciding that this was going to you know, be something for the fans and put this out, this 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 retrospective of the last 10 years of her life? Uh, I mean, I don't know what she was thinking or feeling necessarily but what i do know is that uh janet's connection with her fans is really like no other i mean she really really gets them and i think they get her so my guess is that you know she probably i mean this is kind of how we would do set lists for the show we kind of put down all of our favorite things and things that she i mean she knew obviously which ones were number one, which ones got radio play, which one, like she's really good at keeping all those numbers and things in her head. Um, so I think for her, it was, okay, let me, let me list everything that 
could possibly go into this. And then now let's weed it out. I know this was a fan favorite. I know this was a number one hit. I know this was, you know what I mean? So then you just start weeding them out. And I'm sure it was, that was a double album, wasn't that? Uh, a double CD? Maybe. I know there was a fair amount of songs on it. I'm trying to remember because I feel like I had it on vinyl. So I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of songs going on. Still love the vinyl tea. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, that's awesome. It's back again, by the way. Yeah, thank God. Um, <laughs> But I guess my point is that if it was a double or see, I mean, it could have been quadruple. It could have been, you know, she had so many hits. She had so many favorites. And, and as we know, sometimes the favorites aren't the number ones and vice versa. But I I just think she, she has a real innate, innate um, ability to weed through that stuff, to see it very clearly. So I, I don't know. I, I think the only struggle would have been like, if, they, if there was only X amount of songs that could fit on this album it, with her struggling of, uh, if, if there's only 20, but I have 22, which one do I cut out? You know, that kind of thing. Okay. And I did want to ask you, because I don't think you and I have actually ever really talked about this before, but Runaway, like I said, it could have just been a filler song in a way. Not that I think Janet would have ever done that, but there was obviously a lot of effort mm-hmm. put into that song. And then, of course, like you and I have talked about this before, sort of off air, um, just that behind the scenes footage that we saw of you guys on set for that video because it was so prolific and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what's your favorite thoughts about Runaway and, and being on set for that? Like, do you, like, I feel like Runaway is a, definitely a fan favorite. And I think it sits very, um, like, it just sits in such a good place in, in, in fans' hearts. Well, you know, it's a feel-good song. It just it it was one of my favorite to do when we were on tour, because no matter what, it's like you could be having a bad day, you could be in a bad mood, but you can't listen to that song and stay in that bad place. Like it just makes you feel good. And I remember uh, when she called me because I, I the first thing I kept thinking I was like I don't know why my body keeps going to a Hawaiian movement. I just want to do like it just felt that way. It was the drums. It was whatever. She wanted me to collaborate with Masai, who went by a different name. I don't know what name he's going by these these days, but um, that's who he and I got in the studio. And and his was more African based. And I thought, oh my god, these movements kind of go well together. Like we started playing around with that. He started doing this like that weird snatchy thing. So it's like we're snatching flies, and we kind of laughed about it. And then I added the hits from Hawaii. I'm like, oh my god, this is weird. I don't know. Is this weird? But it felt right. It was it was a very bizarre thing to choreograph because it was very different than anything else that she had done. Um, and yet, when we were in the studio, we just kept listening to music. That's what just felt natural. And that's what I've learned over my lifespan as a choreographer. It's like sometimes I'm fighting my body. If I'm trying to do something the artist has asked for specifically and it doesn't work. And then I just have to go with like, this is what my body wants to do on that drum beat. This is what my body wants to do on that vocal. And it usually all, all comes together. So when, I, when we presented it, I thought, I don't know if she's going to like this at all. And I, didn't, I still don't remember now what her reaction was. Obviously, she liked it because we kept it. Um, and it, she looked beautiful doing it. So it was really fun to do something that was completely different than what anyone had seen her do. And it wasn't for the sake of being different. It was just for the sake of this is what works for this song. Okay, perfect. And with such a, um, yeah, it was just such a flowy, beautiful, energetic song. Like, it was just amazing. And being on set, I know it was rip-roaring hot, right, for you guys? Oh, my God, yeah. We were in the valley. I just remember being in our trailer. Like, it was, you were either hot outside or hot in the trailer. It didn't matter. But it was, yeah, it was blazing. 
Wow. Okay. Well, you guys pulled it off. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> now I'm going to uh, push you forward a little bit to what we know is your baby, the Velvet Rope. Um, I just kind of wanted to bring yeah. you back there for just a second and and sort of say uh, or ask you, I guess, when it came to the Velvet Rope and you heard that album in its entirety for the ter- for the first time, uh, can you remember what your thoughts were? Like, were you just so ready to attack this thing? Oh yeah, um, I was completely ready to attack it. I mean, when Again, it's, it's, you don't always get to work on the music you want to when you're a choreography. You work on the music that's given to you. So when the two blend, <laughs> you're like, oh, my God, like I have so many ideas. I, and the funny thing is I did have so many ideas, and I had so many thoughts, and I had so many feelings, and I wanted to work on it. But I also have a very limited amount of energy, both mentally and physically. So for me, it's like I can't. I'm not going to listen to a song until it's time for me to work on it Okay. because then I'll get bored and then I have no creativity. Renee was the complete opposite. He would listen to everything a thousand hundred million times. So there was one point, you know, Janet would invite um, me over. We would work out. We would talk about the show. We would talk about ideas and just kind of throw things out while we're working out and being silly and giggling. And every time I'd go to her house, Renee's got the music blasting. And finally, one day she called me over and I was like, you know what, Jay, I don't, I don't know how to say this because I don't want to offend anybody, but I cannot listen to this every day. It's making me crazy and I'm going to get sick of all this amazing music because Renee won't shut off the record. Like He would come in every time in our workout. Hey, listen to this. Hey, listen to this. Because he's so excited. And we were all really excited because the music was just, Oh, it was just off the charts. It was, it was invigorating. And it was, so that was my biggest challenge was, okay, how do I hang out with Jan, talk about the show, be creative and not want to listen to any of this music ever <laughs> until I'm ready to work on it. You know, I have to take one piece and that's just me. I have to take one piece at a time, one concept at a time. And we can talk about the whole thing in its, in as a whole, but when it comes down to it, I need to be very specific. Like this is, this is what we're working on. So on one hand, I was chomping at the bit and yet be, trying to be very selective. And like, it literally, I was like foam coming out of my mouth and then just kind of hang in there. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. I'm not ready. I don't know what we're doing. Stop playing the music. Please just stop. <laughs> so, it was needless to say, it was a very, very exciting time. I was very aware of how lucky I was to have, you know what it was also it was like, because so many songs were so amazing. You're like, what's going to get released? What's going to be first? What's going to be second? How do we plan this out? And, you know, obviously it, it took its course, but those are all the things that are, and I left all that up to Janet. I had no say in what song came out first or what I thought. I'd give my opinion, but at the end of the day, it's like, she's the expert. The record company's involved. Let them do that. You just tell me what I'm working on and I'm ready. Okay, cool. I have to ask you this, and I, I feel like this might be a challenging question for you, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, uh, because you and Janet were so close, and you were working in the same bubble for so many years, I'm certain that it's it's not easy to see the big picture. But did you ever have a moment kind of pop into your head where you were like, uh, wow, this is Janet, my good friend, but she's also this amazingly talented artist, someone who is definitely going down in history. Like, did you ever have, because I know what it's like to kind of be in it every day. You're, like you said, you're going to your, your job, you're going to your work, but did it ever kind of pop to you going like, wow, she she is legendary? <laughs> it is a hard question because when your f- 
truly friends with someone, at least for me, I see you first as my friend. I will always see you first as my friend. Um, so I didn't have a lot of that. And I don't want to make it sound like I didn't uh, appreciate or respect where she was in life. She was Jan. She was my friend. She was an artist. She was a lot of things. But because I knew her differently, and I think also because I knew her from the beginning of her career, even though I know she had the, the albums before, I didn't know her then, but like it, she kind of exploded into our friendship developed. I think it was more or less when things, when she'd be presented with awards and you're sitting back and you're watching the collage that somebody puts together for her, you know, like the award show would put together for her or she would turn in or whatever. And you're watching and you watch all the, and you're like, Oh, I forgot about that. And then it, and then it slowly starts to go, wow, my friend's pretty amazing. Like she's even more amazing than I thought. I thought she was, you know, so it's kind of like a, a, um, afterthought in a sense, but, um, and because she was always surrounded with fans, you kind of get used to that from somebody. I would find myself more on the bodyguard side, like wanting to protect her from overexposure or, or just like, can she just eat in peace? Can you guys just, you know, I'll, I'll I'll help you get these things signed, but just give her a second. Like I don't, I was, I've always felt like I was a, a buffer for, for her trying to have some normal normalcy in her life. Um, I don't think I was very good at it, but so for me, it was a, just a different position, I guess, but I, not once did I ever doubt her brilliance or her talent or, or any of that. I just think that was a given. This is my friend. This is how amazing she is. Boom. They both go together and it was a, it was an entire package for me. I'm going to fast forward you now to some time when you weren't working with her, but when everything kind of um, really exploded in a bad way uh, for a while, which was the Super Bowl fiasco, as Mm -hmm. I like to call it. Um, And then it was months and years after that it just seemed to follow her around, which was, I think, for her true fans, just super annoying because it's like she's so much more than this. Like, get over it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Right. But now it's come to light, and I'm not sure if you've uh, been up to speed with this or not, but... There's been allegations recently in the last months or, you know, several months that uh, CBS's former chief, Les Moonves, potentially uh, was going after her to to really disrupt, you know, disrupt her career. We don't we have no proof of this yet, but it's there's enough people saying it that there may be some grain of truth in this. Um, What are Mm. your thoughts on how uh, not necessarily on on him, but just on. The Super Bowl, and and, and again, uh, I know you weren't choreographing for her at the time, but like watching her have to go through that. Yeah, that was weird. It was tough. It was, um, you know, I, um, I can't speak too much on it because I, I don't feel comfortable only because I wasn't there at the time. So I can't say what their feelings were, what their thoughts were. So mine is just from a spectator being on the outside, but also understanding how some things happen on the inside. So for me, I thought it was, it was very unfortunate. Um, that some decisions were made that produced what produced. Um, and, and, and I, I know there's, you know, the fans, I, I get it. Like everyone was, you, you kind of have to pick a side. Was it the smart thing to do? Was it an accident? Was it not, you know, get over it. Justin, they gave it to Justin, you know, it, it, there's so many sides to this, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I think, and this is, this is what a lot of people forget is that you have to know your audience and 
American football is its own thing. I mean, I'm now living in the South and I really get it. I'm like, oh, this is really different than Hollywood. It's different than the mindset here is very different. And you don't know that when you're living in the Hollywood bubble and the entertainment bubble, um, that people hold their football and their football celebrations very, very sacred. So um, on one hand, it was, it's frustrating because, you know, as an artist, you're, 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 you want to challenge things. You want to take chances. You want to be exciting. You want to, you know, shock people. Um, and I think to me, the, the, the only thing that I could say was the mistake was it was the wrong platform for whatever they wanted to achieve after the fact. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know this man from CBS. I'm sure that he was vengeful, you know, maybe, uh, upset, whatever the case, I, I, and I haven't heard any about these allegations. You know, I live yeah. in my backyard in the dirt. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Aliens. So uh, I'm sure if, if that is true, if he is going after her or was going after her, I don't know what happened to him on after that performance. I don't know what happened to his career because well, of the yeah. results of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's right by any means. I'm not saying anyone who goes after anyone at, for pure vengeance, I mean, I believe in karma, so everyone's going to get their own eventually. But I I, I do think it went on quite long for her. I I didn't expect people to bounce back from that quickly, but I also didn't expect it to to linger quite as long as it did. So, yeah, that was uh, – sorry, I just have so many thoughts, but they're just opinions, and I I don't want to put anything negative out there. I'm glad and I feel strongly that that is all over with. Perfect. Yeah, agreed. And and I did want to ask you this. Now, Janet was eligible to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as of 2007. It took a while for her to even get, you know, the first nomination. First of all, it should have only been one. She should have been in immediately as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure a lot of the fans feel that way, too. Um, do you, but like, and if I can just sort of say Madonna, like she was, I think, eligible around the same time, 2007. It was in the next year. And it just seemed like a grave injustice that Janet wasn't, you know, thought in the same class as well or, or thought that she should be uh, by the people that weren't you know, right. doing the nomination committee um did you do you think it took too long for her to get in um when was the super bowl thing 2004 okay so yes of course i think it was it took too long but looking at that situation and the way people in our industry are nobody wants to be the first no one wants to take a chance right so they're they kind of all live really safe like uh, i don't know is is she's still connected with that you know, is that still following her? Is that cloud still following her? Do we want to be a part of that? Everyone gets really nervous and weird. So it doesn't surprise me that Madonna got in first. Did I think she should have? No, but she did. And, and it is what it is. And I mean, here we are in 2019. And if she's in 2007, I'm like, yeah, that's a little bit too long. But at the same time, I think she's in a much better place now. Um, as far as her performance, her career, I, and I'm, I'm speaking from a spectator, not from like, I have no inside knowledge. I'm just looking like, I think people have put that, the Super Bowl thing to bed. I think the drama surrounding it, like the, it is, is dissipated. I think it's a, it's a, a cleaner slate 
for her to receive this award, for her to actually be inducted, so that there's no baggage attached to it. So even though it took a long time, I think had it happened sooner, she still would have had that baggage attached to it, um, by no means, you know, of her own, but just that it would have been there. And I think with the time now that there is a blessing in it, that yes, it took a long time, but she's there now, and it's with a clean slate. If Janet were on the call with us right now, what message would you give to her? I know you guys are friends, but like if she was hanging out with us on on mute right now, what would you uh, what would you say to her about getting this induction, this huge honor? Um, well, I would say what I texted to her. I said, "Congratulations, and it's about time." Awesome, very good. Uh, I love you profusely. Before I let you go, though, I did want you to tell us what is up next for Tina Landon. Oh goodness. Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I always start the new year going, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. More of the same, more acting. I am super um, loving it right now. I'm just in a, a better place with, with acting that I love the creativity side of it. I feel like I'm there with acting where I was with choreography, and I still am. And I've been doing a lot more teaching and conventions and speaking, and I'm, I'm reaching out just to new kind of, I, I just love the raw energy of kids. And I just got done working with Paula Abdul on her tour. And that was amazing and a great way to reconnect and go, oh my God, this is kind of how I started out with Paula. Then we choreographed things together. Now I'm choreographing for Paula. It kind of came full circle. So I'm hoping that some other things will come full circle in 2019. We will see. Um, but until then, I'm, I have an open mind and open heart, and I'm ready for God's blessings. Perfect. And last thing before I let you go, first of all, uh, just a happy birthday to you from all the fans. We love you so much. So many of them have, have reached out and, uh, you know, because I put a little uh, Facebook post up about how much I love you and, and how, you know, happy birthday. So people sent messages to me saying, oh, my God, if you speak to her, wish her happy birthday. So I'm sending all the love from all the Janet fans Aww. and all the Tina thank fans. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who love you Absolutely. so much. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And uh, I have to just bring this up before you do. I know your husband surprised you taking you to a Justin Timberlake concert. Uh you know, for your birthday. And I know they threw in a little Janet. Can you just explain to the fans what happened? Because I think it's an amazing story. Um, well, it was, first of all, the whole night was a complete shock to me. I didn't know where we were going. My husband kidnapped me with a couple of my friends. We ended up at a concert. It was Marty Kodalka came out. Went, oh my God, we're here to see Justin. What's happening? How did I get here? And then next thing I know, you know, you're just enjoying the concert. You're going, this is awesome. And then it's kind of a double take. You're like, wait, that looks like Oh my God, they just did it on stage. What? What? What's happening? So, I mean, there's, there's just no bigger honor than that. I was, I really have no words. It was just, I, I was very humbled by it. It was, it was one of the coolest things ever. Awesome. Well, I thought did- my husband was going to cry. <laughs> He's such a sweetie. I love that. And uh, that was just so awesome because I I saw a little bit of video footage, I think, that you posted of it. So uh, to the fans that are listening right now, make sure you go and check out um, uh, Tina's Facebook page and and, and all that stuff because it's fantastic just to see them do a little uh, uh, honor as they should to to Tina Lennon. So, Tina, I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this and for always, you know, being such a supporter of, of Janet and all the work that you've done with her. Thank you. I love you, too. That's award-winning choreographer Tina Landon. Make sure to follow her on Twitter and Instagram at IamTinaLandon. And now we are joined by Induct Janet's Mike Litherland as we take a look at Janet Jackson's phenomenal career and her journey to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mike, thank you for spending time with us on The Kelly Alexander Show. 
Thanks so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. So we're going to talk about all the excitement of what's been going on the last couple of months with Janet now getting the word that she's going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I did want to take you back a little bit just to sort of set the scene. So when did you actually decide to start working on having Janet Jackson inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, I followed the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for quite some time. I actually grew up in Ohio, so I've always kind of been a fan of the museum and the induction ceremonies. And so I always, you know, being a big Janet Jackson fan, I always had in the back of my mind when she would be eligible. And it was 2007. And, you know, year after year after year, she was snubbed and not even considered or not even nominated. It was kind of a head scratcher. Um, and then as the years progressed, you know, we got to around 2013, 2014, and I was starting to get really frustrated and, and almost angry. Um, so I kind of took it to the Facebook page that some of the Janet pages and the frustration with fellow fans just kind of turned into motivation. And around the end of 2015, when Janet again was snubbed, um, created the page and really started to take off on Facebook. And, you know, the grass movement's momentum just kind of took from there and the, the fans really latched on to the, the hashtag and it just kind of grew organically. And something that I was really proud about is, you know, obviously the focus was always on Janet and her accomplishments and, you know, her massive career, but we always tried to keep it positive and, you know, we didn't bash the Hall of Fame and that's something I've been pretty proud about that kind of stood out to what, you know, I think it helped us get noticed and get uh, the awareness for Janet, but that we did it in a good way that I think Janet would be proud of that. So that, that feels good too. That's amazing. And I really appreciate that because there's so much negativity in the world and it's so easy to go that route to be like, they suck and they, you know, or whatever the case may be, whether it's this or something else. And so the fact that you did keep it um, on the positive was amazing. And what were some of the initiatives, Mike, that you sort of got to right away? Because I, I know you and I have talked before and I, I believe you, you were you were doing a lot of writing to them and stuff. So what were some of the initiatives? Yeah, it's early on, you know, it was a lot of just digging online and finding out who's on the nomination committee and looking into their history and, you know, where are they located in the United States? Are they reachable? And you just kind of, who did they manage in their career? Who are they connected to? So tried to be strategic and who I reached out to. But yeah, I, I did a lot of almost like blog posts, um, did a lot of written letters and sent them out to, you know, Billboard magazine, Rolling Stone, Vibe, some of the big publications, but then I've made some really personal um, one-on-one connections with some of the members of the committee itself. And I really think that went a long way. Um, and a lot of them agreed that Janet should be considered, but they just thought that there was a back, kind of a backlog of other worthy artists. So I just kind of had to, you know, make that fight. And it, it was interesting, too, that, you know, year after year, especially post-Super Bowl, lots of news was coming out. And then it finally broke about, you know, that monster Les Moonves and all, all the stuff that he had done at CBS and Viacom. And I think that's really what kind of finally broke through. And I, I think a lot of light bulbs went off within, the, you know, the industry itself. And then within that little nomination committee of, you know, 29 or 30 members, and it was just like, okay, it's time. And everything just kind of seemed to align. Everything, you know, the stars and the moon, everything. All of Janet's momentum and the amazing 2018 that she had, there was just no way that she was not going to get in. It, it definitely just felt like her year. Who would you say has been an important uh, surrogate for Janet, like, on the committee? I, th- I think a lot of us know that Questlove um, 
was very big, you know, a big supporter continues to be. Is there someone else that we should sort of be knowing that that really was excited for her to try to get through? I would say Quest is probably the biggest. Um, there was a gentleman, man, his name is escaping me now. Um, I'm going to try to look it up like continue to talk. But Questlove has, he's been really, 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 really vocal, both on social and in like his podcast and other podcasts that he's spoken on. I, I know he had Jimmy Jam on his podcast and they talked a lot. Um, and I think Jimmy Jam is pretty influential as well because he's connected to a lot of the folks that were in that room and extremely well-respected, you know, and, and I also think the fact too, that so many people still to this day believe that Janet was just kind of an industry puppet. And if you have somebody like Jimmy Jam, who, you know, they, they were Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis and Janet are an amazing production trio dream team. And when you have him sitting there in the room saying, you know, Janet's no puppet. She, she brought so much to the table, whether it be, you know, songwriting, production, ideas, creativity. It's got to sink in at some point. So I, I think, you know, from Questlove to Jimmy, and I'm finding that other name for you, Kelly, because there was somebody that he put on his list. They essentially get to walk in with three names and they just start fighting it out. Okay. Kind of, whiteboarding it yeah it, it's kind of cool wow that's quite the process and you know it's uh i don't know if i think you and i've possibly talked about this before but i know like on on my end i've gotten into heated debates i guess we'll call it with some of uh you know even some of my radio colleagues because they all know i'm a huge janet fan i you know i don't hide that and i'm i'm a, a, ca- a card carrying member of the janet fan so uh right. so it's but it's interesting when you know i've had discussions with particularly i find people who are very much into actual rock, like the rock scene, and they just latch onto uh, that rock moniker. And I keep saying, I'm like, the Rock Hall of Fame, that's like an umbrella term where there's all these genres underneath it or, or you know, to, to create the, the, the rock genre, if you will. So when people are like, you know, it just needs to be Kiss that's going in or it needs to be Bon Jovi or it needs to be Metallica or whatever it is, I'm like, uh, you, you're not getting it. And so... That was a, a big frustration point for me where it's like they would keep hanging on to that. And then I, I would also get into arguments over the fact that a lot of these people had no or well not I wouldn't say the same group of people, but other people would have the um the thought that there it was a no brainer for Madonna to get in there. And then especially like on the first shot or whatever. And then but for some reason it's like it just didn't even clue into them that of course Janet should have been in there. And I and I kept trying to get answers of them, like why? Like why? And then what was very disappointing on many uh, occasions was like people like, well, you know, how much did she really change uh, the culture or change this, the music scene? And I'm like, where have you been under several rocks? Like it would, it drove right. me bananas. So, <laughs> so I, I'm assuming you've been through the same sort of um, frustrations, Mike. Oh yeah. It's, it's bang your head against the wall at some point, especially, you know, year after year after year that, cause I have been doing this for, for quite some time. And it, at some point you just kind of have to tune it out, but to your point, that's been the, the biggest, I think, argument against Janet, either her nomination or her induction, is that she doesn't rock out on that guitar. And it's still much more than that. You know, there's there's a small um, subset of, I guess, rock hall enthusiasts that are just kind of hell-bent on it being, you know, old white dudes that play electric guitar. And that's just not where the music scene is anymore. It's It's evolved so much over time, even since they put the museum together, you know, when the launch of hip hop and just the way that music shifted the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame itself and their, their inductions 
it has to shift with it to be, you know, um, with the times, if you will. Otherwise, we're just going to be stuck. And, you know, they'll be scraping the bottom of the barrel if they're going to, you know, just do the bad companies and you know, the, the really, really, they're not bad bands, but they're probably not Rock and Roll Hall of Fame worthy. So that I think that list would get shrunk very, very quickly. And they do have to think outside the box. And then getting back to the, like the whole Madonna debate, you know, Janet did everything that Madonna did. And in, in some in some sectors, maybe even more, mm-hmm. especially within, you know, the African-American culture and, and scene. I mean, she was massive and she was every bit as influential. And when you look at the list of, you know, there really are no requirements that the Rock Hall sets. However, there are some pillars that, you know, are kind of obvious and no-brainers. And it's that career longevity, which obviously, you know, Janet's got that influence hugely influential there are so many artists that have cited janet as a major influence mm-hmm. we've got the critical acclaim you know from especially starting with control and then all the way through velvet rope and all for you janet was on top and she was pretty much unstoppable yeah that cultural impact and then obviously the, the sales and the success i mean just massive and then where i think janet is severely underrated is kind of what we hit on before with her songwriting and her producing, she doesn't get a lot of credit for that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of a shame, but I think that's changing a little bit. I think people are starting to realize that, you know, Janet isn't, she never was a puppet and she brought a lot to it. And her success is really because of what she brought to the table. Yeah. And Kelly, I did find that name on the nomination committee. It was driving me crazy. His name is Alan Light. Oh, great. And he was pretty influential. He went on, um, Sirius XM, the, the volume channel, and kind of championed Janet's nomination. And he had her on his list, I think, the last two times. And he really, really pushed hard, saying that, especially with Janet's momentum this year, um, or last year, I should say. And I think he and Quest, you know, basically them going to bat so hard for her definitely put it over the edge. Amazing. And uh, yeah, and I really appreciate everything you've said about Janet's career, because again, and and even just hearing you talk about it, it just again, it's like the biggest no brainer to me that she should have been in years ago, like the moment she was eligible, it just seems like, and and I, and one thing that sticks out to me again, which is infuriating, um, is the fact that yeah, like, I can't believe anybody in their right mind would think she's a puppet. Because from oh. the, like you know, maybe you know when she was you know f- you know fourteen or whatever. Not that she was ever a puppet, but I could see because of the Jackson influence that they might have seen. You know, like well, she's listening to her dad or whatever. But from the moment, um, and I would even say before this, but bef- you know, as soon as Control hit, there should have been zero questions ever after that, like zero, I agree. because she just exuded confidence. Um, even if I think she and she would probably say this herself, I don't think she always felt that way. Uh, and she had up and down struggles just like every other human on the planet. But she is fierce and fierce in the, in the best possible way. And, and all these artists that have come up under her, Beyonce, uh, Kelly Rowland, the rest of Destiny's Child, Pink, Usher, uh, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, like all these people have been influenced. Sierra, all yeah, of them. This, yeah. All of them, you know? So it just seems like the biggest no-brainer on the planet. So, uh, and not that I want to harp on anything negative. It just seems like it was, a, it was a, a journey that didn't need to take as long as it did. Obviously, we're extremely happy now that she's going in. And uh, I guess a follow-up question to that would be, uh, when you saw that she was going to be on the ballot this year, Mike, uh, did you have a gut feeling right away that she was going to go, that this was going to be uh, her year? I kind of did. Well, I, I think I kind of felt that with each nomination, to be honest. But And Kelly, what you just said a moment ago really resonated with me. And I, I think that's why I chose to 
keep fighting and not give up because, you know, when, when you fight so hard and then the artist gets nominated and then they don't get inducted, you know, that it's, it's a huge bummer. And then when it happens a second time, I was just like, okay, maybe, maybe I should just give it up. But I tell you, deep in my gut, I knew it was worth fighting for. And again, it's about her career. It's not about this little induct Janet movement. You know, I, I don't want to make it seem bigger than that, that I'm not the reason she got in. Let's, I'll put that out there. I, I think we had a small sliver of um, influence and I'm proud of that, but it's her career. Um, but yeah, getting back to your question, I, I had a feeling based on all the awards that Janet won in 2018, and we're talking big time awards, as you know, like the, the Billboard Award for Icon, um, the Impact Award for Radio Disney, the Rockstar Award, BET's Black Girls Rock. Um, she got the Global Icon Award at the European MTV Awards, and then that MNET Award, um, the Korean Awards, tons and tons of accolades. Uh, she also won that a, a songwriting award. I, I can't believe I almost forgot that, the BMI um, ASCAP Award in Atlanta. And you headlining the music festivals and closing out the second leg of the state of the world tour with, you know, really good critical acclaim and, and great attendance. It just seemed right. And, you know, there was a lot of buzz, tons of articles and podcasts and, and blogs, all kind of coming back onto um, Janet's side, if you will. And it seemed like that tide had really started to turn. And I guess just with that momentum um, and the release of Made For Now, you know, that video is everything. It's colorful. It's bright. It's fantastic. Should have been a huge, huge, huge monster hit. Um, went number one on the dance charts. And if I'm not mistaken, it, I think the, the Latin version is, it was like four weeks in number one in Mexico, which is kind of amazing. Amazing. But with all of that momentum, it just felt right, Kelly. And that I think I didn't want to get overconfident. And I know the fans were super, super hyped. And Janet performed well in the fan poll. Um, we were shooting for top five, but she did get six. So, you know, obviously it was enough to have the voting body um, check her off the list and, and make her one of their five nominees. So it, it, it's exciting. It feels really, really good. I, I just can't wait for March 29th. Uh, and I want to talk about that. First of all, uh, uh, joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show is Mike Litherland again, who created the Induct Janet movement, and you can follow them um, at Induct Janet. I wanted to ask you, Mike, where were you uh, when you got the news that she was going in, and what emotions sort of hit you right away? So I was here in Charlotte, where I live, and um, I knew that they were going to announce the inductees on SiriusXM, the, the volume channel right around 8 a.m. Eastern time. And I have that, but it's in my car. Yeah. <laughs> so I was in my parking garage, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I was, I was sitting in, yeah, it's funny. I was just sitting there at like 7.45, sitting patiently. And um, when they came on right around 8 o'clock, you know, they teased it a little bit. And then they started reading out the, the names and they mentioned her name. And I just kind of sat back in my seat and just, it was, it was kind of amazing. I'll, I'll admit I got a little teary eyed because it just felt so of course. good. Yeah. And deep down it, it just, it feels so good for her because Kelly, we know how humble and gracious she is, but she is so freaking deserving of this. And, you know, it's been a long time coming long overdue, but it just feels so good because she deserves it. She, she deserves to bask in all of this glory and just, I don't know. It, it's got to feel amazing for her. She, she, she needs to just soak it all up. 
Yeah, and I would like to uh, put out again something that I think we all know as, as um, hardcore Janet fans, if I could say that. I just love how it's always we, not I. And sure enough, she put out a statement, you know, fairly quickly going, yeah. we did it, guys. And I just, and, and you know that's coming from her because she always says guys, like that's her, her term, I think. And, uh, or I know because she says it a lot. And so just knowing that she said that, we, you know, we did it, guys, or whatever. It's just, I was like, yep, that's another reason why I love you so much because you never make it about you, even though it is about you this time and it should be, and you still won't put it all on yourself. So you know, it was amazing. It's all about her. Yeah, it, absolutely. I had that same reaction. And- and, you know, talk to a lot of people about that. I think it went over some people's heads, like maybe the more casual fans, mm-hmm. um, like even people in my family. It was like, look at this. And she's like, they're like, oh, that's great. I'm like, no, read that, though. Yeah, <laughs> She's exactly. saying we, I mean, a collective we. Nobody else did this but her. But she, she's, she's, she's so cool like that. And that's, uh, like you said, that's another reason why I just love her so much. And uh, this seems like a very silly question, but uh, you'll be at the induction ceremony in March? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I actually, I joined the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member before the cutoff date. Because I knew what, you know, my partner and I, JC, we, we just got to be in the house. Um, so we did get tickets. They're not awesome seats, but, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I just need to be in there to kind of witness it. Um, and it, it should be a really, really cool collective group. You know, there's Stevie Nicks and Def Leppard and The Cure, whom I also love. I'm a big Cure fan. Radiohead, uh, The Zombies, Roxy Music. So it's quite a, quite a, quite a group. I think it'll be eclectic and fun and who knows who will be in that house you know and who do you Kelly, hope any any thoughts or do you think you you might make the trek well i'm uh i've i'm 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 hoping that's my fingers are crossed yeah. at the moment um Exciting. but i i, I did want to ask you too who do you hope actually does the induction to her like i i know uh that's like a big choice i guess that she has to make i'm kind of rooting for several people but i i think at the top of the list uh, missy elliott would be one for me yeah, that's what I thought as well. You know, they, they typically try to link up um, like a, a newer generation artist mm-hmm. to induct um, the inductee. Not always, but that's typically what they do. Like an example, they had uh, Miley Cyrus induct Joan Jett, which I don't really know the backstory there, but I guess maybe Miley's a huge fan and very influenced. So that's kind of what they try to do. I think Missy Elliott is perfect yeah that would be an excellent choice um i think some people want it to be like a beyonce which i think that would be kind of great from a maybe hbo ratings perspective but yeah. not my first choice yeah. no shade but yeah. i i just would prefer somebody like missy or even jimmy jam and terry lewis I oh think yeah would be awesome and, and yeah. quite deserving yeah and i actually had the thought too and uh, I think it's because I just respect her so much, and I think she would do such a great job at at the in, actual sort of induction part of it. Um, Pink, I think I think Pink would be because she's just so real, right? And and we all know that she's um, paid homage to Janet before, and so yeah, so she's kind of up there on my list. But I I feel like Missy would do a great job, and I think people would freak out because everyone loves Missy too, right? So I think that would be uh, that would be amazing. And um, I did want to ask you too, like, do you, uh, like, have you heard from any of Janet's team? Like, do you, cause like, I know that they have to know, they know you exist. There's, there's no question about that. So what's it been like sort of just knowing that they know that and, and are obviously appreciative of, of all the efforts you've put through. Yeah. It's kind of cool to, I, I've not breached or I've not heard from anybody, uh, directly, at least not yet. Um, I'm not really expecting that, but if it happens, that's awesome. Cause that's not really what it's about, but, um, yeah, it would be amazing. And uh, I think it does feel good to know that 
you know, at least the hard work and the effort and really the the time, the time commitment that I've given. And it's not just been me. You know, there's a couple of other people that have come up in the ranks over the, the last couple of years, too, that have really pitched in and helped and volunteered. And, you know, some people think that I'm on the payroll, and that's just not it. I've never been given a, a penny for this. It's all just out of love for, for Janet and respect for, for her career. But, yeah, it, it, it feels kind of good to know that they know and have watched and I think appreciated. And Kelly, that's another reason why I, I really fought so hard to try to keep everything in a positive light. Because yeah. again, you never want that to reflect negatively on Janet at all. And it's always, you want her to be proud and to, you know, kind of almost give that stamp of approval. Um, but yeah, hopefully I, my fingers are crossed. Maybe they'll reach out. We'll see what happens. Awesome. Well, I really hope they do. And um, I wanted to ask you too, now that sort of quote unquote, the mission is is coming to completion. Uh, what's next for Induct Janet? Like, because uh, you, you know, you guys have a lot of, of followers and, and, you know, I follow you guys on all the social media platforms and I love just how you present everything. So are you guys going to continue? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I've, I've kind of taken a little bit of a break. You know, I haven't posted as much just uh, taking a, a quick little vacation from it. But yeah, I, I do kind of want to keep it going, even from just like a fan perspective. Um, but like you said, mission kind of accomplished, but there's so much more to do really with, you know, 2019 is going to be a huge year for Janet. I yeah, think yeah. we should get new music and, you know, she did something in Vegas uh, just the other night for some private company. So there are things that are happening. The Tokyo dates, that's next month, this month. Yeah. It's today, February 1st. Yeah. We're early February yeah. now. So yeah, She's got some dates coming up. Um, and then, of course, uh, the Rock Hall induction ceremony. And then the I think the HBO airing is about four weeks later. So that's huge momentum. And that's a great window to maybe capitalize on that free publicity. So who knows what's coming this spring? Yeah, exactly. And so I, I look forward to 2019. It seems like um, she's definitely heading in the right place. And I think, too, I just wanted to say... Uh, a big shout out to Jimmy Jam, I think, because he's been um, such a supporter of of a lot of like of you. He's been a supporter of our show here, and I love how tuned in he is to Janet's fans and the importance of of our love for her. And it's just you know, I just wanted to give him a shout out because obviously he knows um, just how valuable she is to the music uh, industry and to people's lives. And I love how he is such a champion, and he's also a champion, uh, I think, for. Uh, women and female artists in general, and there's not a lot of them out there. So a uh, shout out to Jimmy, and then also no doubt. a shout no out doubt. to. And he's to, a nice guy. Too. Oh yes, he's a nice guy. You know, before I let you go, just on behalf of the uh, the fans, thank you, Mike, for these these years of of all your effort. Because, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, Janet's career is getting her in, but all your efforts for sure helped. I think they helped uh, the stars align. And I know as someone who loves Janet as much as I do, I just, I applaud your efforts. I applaud your commitment. And again, just how uh, well you kept it classy. I thank you so much for that. It it does feel good. I'm kind of grinning from ear to ear because it it feels good to hear. And it definitely feels good. It's a labor of love, as you well know, Kelly, because what you do with your platform is equally amazing, if not more. And your reach is um, pretty awesome. And I think you take it to that next creative level. Like when you get that great interview, you really dig deep and you get things out of like little nuggets out of your, the person you're interviewing that, you know, 
you maybe didn't know was coming. And it's exciting. And you continue to deliver. You know, you've always got something up your sleeve. So <laughs> my hat's off to you as well. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I, I appreciate that Equal very much. Admiration. I appreciate that yeah. so much. And uh, I, yeah, I just, I guess just a quick sidebar. I, it's, it's such a joy for me to interview uh, any of these people that are sort of Janet related because I have such commitment to the fans because I know what it's like to love her as much as we do and to sort of just know the processes that went into the Velvet Rope or the Janet album or what have you. And if I can sort of get that information out to the fans, because I know what it was like to be 13 and 18 and being like, how did they do that? And why did they do it that way? And so I think that's my inquisitive nature that wants to sort of uh, get that information out to the rest of the fans, because I think we all feel the same way. So uh, thank you for that, Mike. That was very sweet of you to mention. But again, this is all on you. And so uh, again, congratulations. <laughs> I'm so happy you're going to the induction and I, uh, I hope to see you there. And I'm glad glad that you're going to continue uh, the Facebook group and the, the rest of the social media platforms because even though I know like again quote unquote the mission is coming to completion uh, I don't think it, it it is ever and so I think she needs to have positive surrogates out and about in the world so uh, I'm happy you're sticking around yeah thanks for that me too it's exciting and I can't wait to see what the future brings for all of us that's Mike Litherland who created the Induct Janet movement and make sure to follow them at Induct Janet well as always thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week we always appreciate it and of course a big shout out to this week's guests, Tina Landon and Mike Litherland. My thanks, of course, going out to our super producer, Adam Briesel. And don't forget that you can follow us on all major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.